Good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen? Good to please someplace that's warm. You know, the church never lost power. It never lost water or anything like that. We had no busted pipes here or anything like that. Amen. Amen. You know, there are certain benefits as tithers that we get. Amen. That doesn't mean if your pipes burst that you're not a tither. But you know what's so good is that now there's means to repair whatever's happened. Amen. And uh, that's what we're praying is that you're going to have adequate resources to fix any and everything that, uh, that you need to get fixed. So I want to continue along with what we started last week on why I am a world Christian. Amen. Why I am a world Christian. And remember, to be a world Christian means that we have to carry the world in our hearts. Amen. Remember we made this groundbreaking statement last week that God is not American. When you get to heaven, it's not going to be Uncle Sam that meets you there with the red, white, and blue with the beard saying, I want you. Amen. We're going to be very surprised when we get to heaven and we see that God uh, looks a little bit different than we thought he would, you know. Uh, you know, Jesus isn't white. I'm sorry. He's just not. He's an Hasidic Jew from a long time ago. It's, you know, you look at some of the pictures and it's this lily white face with this hair parted in the middle or whatever. And, you know, but uh, God always has had a world view. Amen. God has always, he, it's not always just about us, his thoughts, you know, for God so loved America that he gave his only begotten son. Is that how the verse goes? For God so loved the world. And everything that God did through his son Jesus Christ, he did to save the whole world. Amen. Now we are blessed to live in one of the greatest nations, greatest economies, greatest places in the world the United States of America, and we all found out first knowledge what it's like when someone takes away some of our toys this week. Amen? We all found out what life was like without cell phones, internet, hot water, you know, we, we got boiled down to, you know, I saw people pulling over, going into little fields and pulling branches off of trees so that they could take it home and burn it to keep their homes warm. I mean, it really got dropped back. We really kind of got taken back a little bit. You can't tell me that Jesus isn't coming back soon. You just can't. The, the, the way these things, the waves of these things are coming, they're coming quicker and quicker and quicker. They're called birth pangs. And any mom in here that's had a baby, they knows that the closer you get to delivery, those birth pangs are coming quicker and quicker and quicker. And that's where we are right now. Amen. But God, it is God's will that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. God wants every man, woman, child all over the entire world to be born again. It is his will. But just because it's his will doesn't mean that's what's going to happen. He needs us to do our job. And each and every one of us has a job. He's given each and every one of us the ministry of reconciliation. Well, what is reconciliation? We are reconciling man back to God. We are going to man today and telling them, this is what we're telling them. Here's the ministry of reconciliation, okay? I'll boil it down to you. I'll make it super easy. Here's all you got to say. God's not mad at you. God's not angry with you. God loves you, and he wants to be reconciled to you through his son, Jesus Christ. 
That's it. That's all we have to do. That's our job. Now, why I'm a world Christian. Last week we talked about uh, point number one was um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, good or bad. Let me give you another couple of scriptures on that in case you weren't here last week. Romans chapter 14, verses 10 and 12. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 12. Therefore, each one must answer for himself and give a personal account of his own life before God. 1 Corinthians 3.13, For the work of each one will become plainly and openly known, shown for what it is. For the day of Christ will disclose and declare it, because it will be revealed with fire. The fire will test and critically appraise the character and worth of each person, of what each person has done. We will be rewarded according to our works, our thoughts, and our intents. What were my motives, and was I obedient to the call? I am going to stand before Jesus Christ one day, and I'm going to have to give an account for my life. Now, as I said last week, you have already been judged for sin. If you're in heaven, you're in heaven. That's good. I mean, if you're in heaven, you're in heaven. Once your sins, you've already been judged for all of your sins. Jesus took everything on the cross. So once you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you got what the Bible calls eternal life. Amen. Amen. But it doesn't stop there. Now we go into, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now he has given us a command. He's given us uh, an indictment of what we're supposed to be doing as believers. Now, let me clear this up for you real quick also. You're not going to be judged on your works. Yay! Amen? You are not going to be judged on your works. We're going to be judged on our obedience. And no matter if I was asked to do one thing in my entire life and I did that thing, or I was asked to do something every day for the entirety of my life, well, I'm going to get the same reward. It's all about obedience. So what does that mean for me? That means I need to find out what has God called me to do. Well, I want to get involved. If I want to know 100% how to make God happy, I get involved with what makes God's happy, what makes him happy. Amen. I begin to share my faith with other people. I give into the things that are important to him. Amen. I get involved in missions and not just missions in the United States, but we get involved in what's going on overseas. Do you remember the powers last week when we received the offering and he talked about Thailand and Pakistan and all those places? We want to get into that 1040 window. We want to get into those places where they've never heard the gospel. Listen to me. I didn't coin this phrase, but this is the truth. No one should hear the gospel twice till everybody's heard it once. Nobody should hear the gospel twice till everybody's heard it once. Listen, do we want to, do we want to go to heaven? Are we ready for the rapture? Are we ready for the church to go? Then until we do our job, we're not going anywhere. We're waiting on God to bring us home, and God's waiting for us to do our job. He needs us to get involved in world missions. He needs us to get involved in personal evangelism. He needs us to get to a point where I can 
encourage somebody, you know? You might not go stand on a box and be an outdoor preacher. I get that. But did you have an opportunity over this week to be a blessing to somebody? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we live in a cul-de-sac. We were able to give wood to a Nigerian family on one side, to a Cuban family on the other. We were able to give water to a Vietnamese family across the street. I borrowed an axe from my Hispanic neighbor because I don't even have an axe. Woefully unprepared for this I was. I had this wood and I'm like, well, what do I do with this? You start looking for golf clubs that you can, it didn't work. It just didn't work, okay? But were we a blessing to somebody in the midst? What did you learn about yourself over this week? What'd you learn? What did I learn about myself? Will I really give when I really don't have as much as I thought I did? Amen. When it comes down to heat for my family or heat for another family, am I really willing to be that light and give that wood when I don't know if I'll have enough for me to get through this? Amen. God, listen to me. God needs us to be a light. Amen. He needs us to be a reflection of his love to a world that desperately needs it. Amen. So why am I a world Christian? Point number one, uh, because we were all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and he's going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? Amen? Point number one. Point number two, I introduced it last week. Why am I a world Christian? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are revealed to God and I hope that we are revealed also in your conscience. Why do I persuade men to get born again? Because hell is real and real people are going there. Amen? Hell is real. And this is going to be uncomfortable this morning, okay? I called this hell an inconvenient truth. How many of us know there's a hell? How many of us believe there is a hell? If we really believed that hell was real, we would crawl across glass to get the gospel to somebody. Because if we really, really believed of how bad it is, we wouldn't want anyone to go there. I learned so much in a little video yesterday in our Conqueror series about the difference between knowing and believing. I know a lot. I know a lot of Scripture. I know a lot of things about a lot of biblical things. But I only do the things that I believe. I can have all kinds of Scripture on biblical prosperity. I got all kinds of Scriptures on biblical prosperity. I know biblical prosperity. But do I believe it? Well, how do I believe it? Well, I give. I tithe. I'm a blessing. See what I'm saying? We know a lot. We know about hell, right? We all know about hell. But do we really believe that it's a real place of eternity for people that don't receive Christ as their Lord and Savior? It should be a motivating factor for us. That's why we persuade men. I don't want anybody. I don't want my worst enemy to go to hell. Amen? I do not want. There's nobody that's done anything in this earth that we could ever look at them and condemn them to hell. Say, well, you deserve to go there. We all deserve to go there. Amen. Not one of us was born clean. We were born into a sin-filled world. Amen. So I'm going to give us some scriptures this morning, and we're going to talk a little bit about hell. As I said last week, 
<clears throat> we all know the number one person who talked about the hell the most was Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, of all people, talked about hell the most. Uh, I would have to say, A, it was probably because first he was there when it was built. He was there at the beginning of time. Amen. When the earth was created, somewhere on the second day when you get into creation, uh, potentially that's the day that hell was created. It is a very, very, very large place. What does that tell you? That there's lots of people that are going there. That breaks my heart. It's not one small room on the backside of a cabin. It is a vast, vast place. It was not created for man originally. Amen. God never created man to go to hell. And we're going to answer some of your questions this morning about hell. Okay? Luke 16.23. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus at his side. Amen. That's the story that Jesus tells about Lazarus and the rich man and both of them are going to their eternity. One had lived richly in the earth and the other had lived poor. And the rich one looks across this great chasm and he sees Lazarus on the other side. And he was like, hey, that's Lazarus over there. Could you have him give me a drink of water? So what's that tell you? You're thirsty in hell. Your senses, you still have a soul. So you are still thirsty. You still feel things, and you still, through your soulish realm, are experiencing things. But here's the part. You have lost free will. You have lost the ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it. You have lost that ability. Amen? Those two words. Hades simply means the unseen world. It means abode of departed spirits. And torment means exactly what you think it means torture and pain. Torture and pain. Now, is heaven a reflection of the goodness of God? Is it? Amen. If when we go to heaven, we're going to experience the love of God, the grace of God, the peace of God, we're going to experience all the goodness of God. Amen? Therefore, What's hell going to be a reflection of? Satan. Amen? Let me just ask you this. Things like torture and abuse and genocide and all these things, those are not man-made things. They came from our father, the devil. Those are a reflection of his kingdom. So what do you think it's going to be like for people when they get to hell? It's going to be a reflection of of the ruler of hell. And let me just say this also. There's not one scripture in the Bible that right now says that Satan's in hell. That's right. There's not one scripture in the Bible that says Satan is in hell right now. He's the prince of the power of the air. He is moving to and fro across the earth. He's not in hell. And when he goes to hell, it's going to be for eternity. What we don't want is we don't want to be there with him. Amen? We don't want to be there with him. Listen to me. As long as you have breath in your lungs and you're walking this earth, you can ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Hallelujah! In this room right now, if I'm scaring the pants off of you, this is not my normal preaching, okay? This is not what I'm comfortable doing at all, but it is a reality. If I do not tell you that there's a hell, then I am now responsible if somebody goes there. 
Well, pastor, they never told me there was going to be a hell. They never preached on it. Dun, da, da, da. Today we are preaching and teaching on hell. But guess what? I'm also going to preach and teach on heaven. Amen? Because that's where we're all going. This sermon's not for you. This sermon's for people you know. Amen? We're going to heaven, and we're going in the first batch. Matthew chapter 23, 33. This is Jesus speaking, and I want you to notice who he's speaking to. He says, you snakes, you brought of vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell? Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders of that time who were, yes, covenant people. And yet, because of their actions and because they had not followed what Jesus had told them to do and been obedient to the call, he was telling them, if you don't stop, you're going to hell. Their actions, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, there's no religion on the face of the earth that can save us. When I stand before God, I'm not going to say, well, I'm a Methodist. I'm Catholic. My father was a pastor. The only thing that Jesus, this is what's going to happen. Jesus is going to be right there. And Jesus, and we're going to, God's going to say, Jesus, do you know this person? And Jesus is going to turn and he's going to look at us. And he's either going to smile really big and go, yes, sir, Father, I know him really well. And God's going to say, enter into the goodness of the Lord. To others, he's going to look at. And with those eyes, I can just see those eyes. He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. But Father, see, all of our excuses are going to be so hollow. Well, I got hurt in church, so I never went back. Okay. Say that to Jesus that day, how you got hurt in church. If anybody got hurt in church, it was Jesus. They killed him. They crucified him because he went to church. If anybody had an opportunity to be offended with the church, it was Jesus. But he took it on his body on the cross so that, look at me, folks, that you and I would never have to experience that hell. Amen? Amen? Each and every one of us. He does not want us to experience it. He did not create it for you and for me. Amen. He did not create it for you and for me. Hell, another word for it is uh, Gehenna. And uh, Gehenna was a word that they used. Uh, it was a little valley um, around Jerusalem, and it was actually their refuge pit. And there was a fire that if you had refuge, there were a lot of dead animals, a lot of decomposed trash. There were all kinds of things. And there was this place right outside of Jerusalem, outside the walls, where they kept it on fire all the time because all of the maggots, all of the diseased stuff, all of that had to be dealt with or there would have been sickness in the land. So this thing, this area, this place was constantly on fire. Now this is what you've got to understand about hell, okay? That fire was not there to keep you and me out. That fire was there to keep all that was in it in. God did not want us contaminated with the pure sin and evil that is associated with hell. Therefore, it's on fire all the time to keep it away from us because he loves us. And when you start thinking about hell as God's expression of love, God does not want 
any of his children to be polluted with the sin and all the stuff that's associated with hell. It's pure evil. So just like that trash bin that was constantly on fire that was keeping all that stuff in there, so hell today is God's expression of love for us to keep that away from his children. Amen? Let me show it to you in the Scripture. Look at Matthew 22. Matthew 22, it's a little bit lengthy, uh, 1 through 15, but I'm going to read it to you, okay? And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king who made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servant to call them, uh, and sent forth his servant to call them that were bidden to the wedding that they would not come. And they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all the things are ready come unto marriage. But they made light of it and went their way, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. Have you ever been wroth? And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants who went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw of there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now we would look at that example and we would say, Wow, God, that king was really, really hard on that one guy. I mean, great, so he came to the party, he didn't put on the party robe, he didn't have it, but I mean, is it worthy of being bound hand and foot and cast in eternal darkness? What was God trying to make a picture of? God did not want that person who was being disobedient to what he told the people to do to then begin to spread that to the rest of the people at the party. So because of God's love for the rest of the party, he isolated the one that was disobedient. Do you see now that this is love? It's not his hate for the one that's doing evil. It's his love for the ones that are doing right. That he does not want them to be afflicted. He does not want them to be polluted. He does not want them to become toxic because of that one person. It's God's great love for us, ladies and gentlemen. It's God's great love for us. So, let's talk a little bit about some of the questions about hell. Amen? I've wrote down three of the big questions. You might have others. How does a loving God send anyone to a sinner's hell? Anybody ever wonder that? He doesn't. God does not send anyone to hell. Amen? Each and every one of us has a choice. We have a choice. We have a choice as to where we go. 
We have a choice. We have a choice to receive what he did through Jesus Christ. If we receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, listen to us, we were all destined for hell. Amen? We were all destined for hell. If not for Jesus, there's nothing we could do. There's no works. There's no amount of sacrifice. There's no enough goodness that I could do to save me from it. I needed a Savior. And guess what? We still need a Savior today. And his name is Jesus. That's why we persuade men. Because the only way to avoid hell is to get born again. Amen? That's the only way to avoid it. So how does a loving God send anyone to hell? He doesn't. We do it by our own choice. Listen to me. The single greatest thing, God's greatest act of love next to Jesus that he ever did was he gave us free will. Listen to me. He loved you so much. He loved you so much. He gave you the ability to hate him. He gave you the ability to hate him. Because he says, I do not want to have any part in, in any way tricking or leading or conniving or manipulating them into loving me. When you come to me as a son, you come to me of your own free will. Then you become a son of God. I can't trick you into loving me. I can't trick you or manipulate you into doing these things. So the single greatest thing that he gave us, and listen to me, it's our greatest asset and it's our biggest enemy. It's our own free will. Listen to me. This is, this is groundbreaking, okay? Neither God nor Jesus, if they appeared right here, right now, can make you do anything. God himself could stand right here, and he cannot look at one of you and make you do anything because he gave you a free will. He can encourage you. He can give us all kinds of you know, reasons to do it, but I still have to connect. I still have to say, okay, I do it. If it's God's will that all men be saved, then why aren't all men saved? Come on. You have to choose. It's God's will. So if it's God's will and God's sovereign and God gets whatever he wants or however he wants it, then why isn't everybody saved? Because I have to choose. I have to use that one thing that makes me unique from any other creature on the face of the earth, my will. I have to give it to him. Have you given your will to him? Have you made him your savior? But have you made him your Lord? We all want him as savior, but is he your Lord? Is he driving the ship? Am I making my own decisions or is he making his, am I making the decisions or him? Is he guiding me and leading me or am I? Bless God, I, I decide, I choose. It'll check us out, man. Everybody okay? Here's another one. I've, I've actually had people respond to me this way. They believe that they're already in hell on earth right now, that this is hell. Now, this is going to be a little childish, but this is the way the Lord said it to me. If you can still buy ice cream, you're not in hell. Amen. If I can still, you know, if I can go get some Ben and Jerry, some Chunky Monkey, no, not in hell. Amen. As I said before, hell is a place where we lose complete and total control over our soul. We can't escape, we can't run, we can't scream. We are totally subjected to the evil that's in there. 
And, and, and I've said this before, but the, the, the dominating emotion in hell is regret. It is the number one emotion in hell. The number one emotion in heaven, satisfaction. Are you ready to be satisfied? I mean, I'm satisfied now, but are you ready? Come on, man, we're going to have a party in heaven. Amen? Imagine every, every single sliver of the sin gone out of our lives like it was never there. Bodies remade, hair restored. I was doing William, Dad, not you. Come on, heaven is going to be a party. Amen? His light lights the streets. We're going to dance. We're going to see relatives. We're going to talk to Peter and Paul, but most importantly, we're going to see Jesus. We're going to see Jesus, and we're going to behold him as he beholds us. And all of a sudden, all of this that we've done in the earth is just going to wash away in the beauty of his love and of his look. Amen? Third question. Don't we just cease to exist? A lot of people believe that at death, we just cease to exist. Amen? I don't know how you could comprehend that, but let me give you a couple of scriptures on that. Hell is mean and full of torment. That's in John 5, 28 through 29. In Micah 9, 42, it says it's worse than being drowned. Matthew 25, 41, the suffering never ends. Matthew 3, 12, the wicked will be buried with unquenchable fire. So we never just cease to exist. You are an eternal being. You are an eternal being. You know, good news, bad news. Good news is you're going to live for the forever. Bad news, you're going to live forever. We just decide where through our choices in the earth. We are an eternal being. Amen? Uh, there's 162 references in the New Testament to hell. 162 references, 70 by Jesus himself. Amen? Remember, Jesus was there when it was made, and Jesus is also the only person that's ever gone there and returned. There are people that have had visions and gone there but had not Jesus went. I mean, Jesus went. Jesus went to the lowest part of hell so we could look up at the worst sinner. So no matter what you've done, he went deeper than you did. Woo! There's nothing you've done that he didn't go deeper than you so that you didn't have to suffer that hell. Amen? It's kind of a weird sermon. It's like part of you, it's like, this is scaring me. But the other part, it's like, this is the greatest day of my life. I'm going to heaven. Amen. I, I get to go spend eternity with, with in heaven. Now, let me give you a couple of scriptures in Jude. Everybody good? Jude one twenty two, And I think this is out of the Passion Translation. I'm not sure. Jude one twenty two. It says, keep being compassionate to those who still have doubts. Keep being compassionate to those that still have doubts. Listen to me. Don't you dare ever write anybody off. 
Don't you ever, ever, ever write somebody off. You keep having compassion on them for as long as you can, as long as you can, because the second part of that verse kicks in now. Snatch others out of the fire to save them. Be merciful over and over to them, but always couple your mercy with the fear of God. Amen? I have to continually be compassionate to those that are around me. I am constantly trying to persuade men to come into the kingdom. Amen? Some people, believe it or not, you're going to get saved today for the first time because I talked about hell and I made it real for you. You just got snatched out of the fire. I can tell you about the goodness of God all day long. I can tell you about the blessing of God all day long. I can tell you about justification and sanctification. But somebody today needed to hear, if I don't change my life, I'm going to hell. That should be enough to get you saved today. Amen? Some we persuade. We are persuading men, but others snatch them out of the fire. Sometimes you got to turn up the heat a little bit for us to get a look. They turned down the cold and we got a real picture of what our lives were like. Sometimes you got to turn up the heat a little bit to make it real. I think, like I said, I just don't think hell is a reality for us. It's just not. Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. He talked more about heaven, I mean more about hell than he did about heaven. How do, what am I supposed to do? Here's what you do folks, okay? Speak the truth in love. Don't just placate people like you're going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. God's a loving God. You're going to get there. This is my favorite. I just want to squeak into heaven and have a little, little cabin on the backside of glory. No such thing. You get in on purpose. You go big or you go home. Amen. You're going to go in big or you're going to go home. Can you handle a few more minutes? Jesus did not, does not only reference hell, but he describes it in great detail. He didn't just talk about it, he describes it. And I'm going to give you some of the verses real quick. As I said before in Luke 16, 23, it's a place of eternal torment. Mark 9, 43, of unquenchable fire. Mark 9, 48, where the worm does not die where people will gnash their teeth in anguish and regret, Matthew 13, 42, from where there is no return, even to warn loved ones, Luke 16, 19 through 31, a place of outer darkness, Matthew 25, 30. The reason for hell, hell is not a place where especially bad people go. There's going to be a lot of good people in hell. There's going to be some questionable people in heaven and some good people in hell. Why is that? Did you make a choice on this side of the grave on whom you will serve? Amen? There's a lot of good people that have rejected Christ their whole lives. They're good people. They're moral people. They lived good lives. They paid their taxes. They got married. They, they raised their families. But when they were given the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they denied him. There's going to be a lot of rapists, murderers, and killers that accepted Christ the day before Jesus comes. And they're going to go to heaven. That's hard for us to gauge sometimes. 
Because we're like good and bad. Well, you were good and you were bad. Hell's not about good and bad. Hell's about, did you take advantage of the lifeline that God gave us through his son, Jesus Christ? That's what heaven and hell are really about. Did you take advantage of the opportunity that you were given? Now, I'm going to end with this. And this is just kind of a, this is something I talked to my wife about. I'm not going to preach this as doctrine, but I just want to introduce it, okay? I personally believe that when we're all born, our names are in the Lamb's Book of Life. I believe that each and every one of us are born, and I think our name is in pencil. I believe that we're all written in the Lamb's Book of Life when we're born, but I think it's in pencil. And I think when we get to what the Bible calls the age of accountability, that I have a choice to receive Christ personally as my Lord and Savior. And when I do that, my name is not now written in pencil, it's written in blood. And it's a permanent thing. That covers all of the questions we have about God. Well, what happens to babies if Jesus comes and a baby's born the next day? His name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. Pastor, what about that tribe that's on that island on the backside that no one ever got to? Their name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Listen to me. Let's go back to free will, and I want to end with this. God is not going to rob each and every one of us of our ability to choose. Everyone, whether he has to manifest himself to that person himself, is going to have a chance to either accept or deny Jesus Christ. Now that person on that mountain on the backside of the world from that tribe that no one's ever been to, guess whose job that is to get to him? Ours. That's our job. It's our job to get to them. But God is just. Amen? And everybody is going to get a chance to hear the gospel before he returns. Each and every one of us are going to get a chance to choose Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So why do I persuade men? Because hell is real. And I don't want anyone to go there. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just close your eyes and bow your head for a moment. I can't think of a better place to have an altar call. If you've never, ever, ever received that lifeline that God sent us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and maybe you've been in church your whole life, maybe you're trying to be a good person, but you've never with your whole heart freely accepted the gift of redemption that God went so, worked so hard to get to us, then I want to give you that opportunity. And it's very, very simple. All you have to do is, number one, believe that He is the Son of God. Not know that He's the Son of God, but believe that he's the son of God, that he was dead, buried, and crucified. On that third day, he rose from the dead, and he's ever seated next to the Father making intercession for you right now. Right now, Jesus is interceding for you next to the Father. Right now, Jesus is interceding for you right next to the Father, and he's praying for you. Oh, that they would receive it today, that today's the day, that they would put aside all these silly excuses and games and things they play with themselves so that they don't they can just keep living this existence quit self-medicating so if that's you today and you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior I'd like to pray with you this morning
So I'm just going to simply ask if you would just raise your hand. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I would love the honor of praying with you today. Okay. Then what I'm saying is that this sermon was not for anybody in this room. Well, it was for everybody in this room. But everybody in this room, you know without a shadow of a doubt that if that trumpet comes today, that you're going to go with Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Then I go back to my first scripture. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, each and every one of us in this room. You have, you have uh, said Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then we need to get busy doing what he's called us to do. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Is it warm in here or is it me? <laughs> Both. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Just know that we love you. Pastors, mom and dad, Michelle, myself, we love you. We pray for you. Uh, we're excited um, about what God is doing. If you are one of the families that raised their hands about needing some help with some repair work, then I'm going to ask you to come down front as soon as the service is over, and we're going to try and organize that for you or we can get some in over with some tools that we can start helping you with that. Um, Jesus is Lord. Amen. Father, I just pray over every person in the sound of my voice, and I thank you, Lord, for your anointing, for your blessing, and Father, for a fire that's in our souls. Just a fire, Lord, to, be, to get out and do. Let's just, just, just start doing what he's told us to do. Amen? I thank you, Lord, that we're going to do what you've called us to do. We're going to do it with uh, honor. We're going to do it with excellence in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Jesus is Lord.